Hey everyone, this is Achuta Bhava from Nightlight Astrology, and today I'm going to continue my series on the intersection between ayahuasca and astrology. Um, this is a series that I decided to start doing about a week ago, so if you missed episode one, you could certainly go back and check it out, although there's no real sequential order to this series. The purpose of this um, particular set of talks is to uh, explore the different ways in which ayahuasca and altered states of consciousness, the psychedelic experience in general, um, had an impact on the way that I learned astrology. I kind of explained this in talk number one, but um, I, as I was on vacation recently, I was reflecting quite a bit on the way in which I learned astrology and realizing that I always... I try to tone it down a little bit because I don't want to, I don't want to come off sounding like, oh, ayahuasca taught me astrology, you know, like I'm some wonder kid who, you know, got the special privilege of being taught in an altered state of consciousness by aliens, you know, something like that. Um, I, I was actively studying astrology apart from ayahuasca ceremonies, but being involved in ayahuasca ceremonies very regularly for a decade of my life and for a number of years during the the early um, formative uh, study period for me, when I was first studying astrology, I was drinking a boatload of ayahuasca, and those ceremonies had a huge impact on how I came to understand things that I was reading about. Almost like the ayahuasca experience would say, like, here's a vision or here's an experience that can complement what you're reading and studying to help you understand, integrate it, sort of take it in at a deeper level. And there was many years of studying astrology and uh, regularly drinking ayahuasca and um, learning a lot from those experiences that have it's really shaped the way I practice today and the things that really sort of matter to me most as a practitioner. So um, I'm going to talk about that today, again, by telling some stories. Um, before I do that, if you're new to my channel, always appreciate it if you like and like the videos and subscribe, share your comments in the comments section. I love hearing from you guys. It also helps the channel to grow and uh, click the notification bell for updates. If you are subscribed, uh, you get notifications when I go live. As always, transcripts of my daily talks can be found on the blog of my website, which is nightlightastrology.com, usually within 24 hours. I also am in promotional mode right now. My new class, Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystics, starts on June 5th. My year two and horary classes start June 11th and 12th. You can check all of those out at nightlightastrology.com. I'm going to share my screen briefly with you and take you there so you can check it out. Once you get there, you're going to click on the Courses tab. If you are brand new and have not studied with me before, you're going to want to check out the first year course. This is a course, a one-year course in Ancient Hellenistic Astrology which is the earliest form of horoscopic astrology, close cousin with ancient Indian astrology. It's a 12-month course. There are 30 classes we meet on uh, Sundays. We meet on Sundays starting at uh, 11 a.m. Central Time, noon Eastern Time. I guess that would be 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, classes about two to three hours long. They're all recorded if you can't make them live. So you can always participate by watching the replay of the video each week. We have interactive group forum discussions all throughout the year with a paid staff of tutors that are there to help you. You can always ask me for help too. Um, there's also breakout study sessions in between major units. Those are not a part of the 30 classes. And then we also have 12 guest lectures that come, tons of bonus content, lots of support there for you to really dive very deeply into Hellenistic astrology. 
couple of different payment options. The early bird payment, you save $500 off if you pay for the class up front. There's a 12 monthly payment plan if you need to stretch it out a little bit. And then of course, we have need-based tuition. So be sure that if you wanna take this class and you're like, you know what, it's out of my budget, check out the tuition assistance option that we have because we never like to price people out. I've been doing this for 12 years and I have always had a donation-based option of some kind for my classes because to me, this material is, you know, it's really sacred. And um, I try to make sure that it, no one's ever priced out from my courses. So uh, if you want to study, be sure to check that out. If you have any questions whatsoever about the program as you're scoping it out on the website, it's info at nightlightastrology.com. So that being said, um, let's see here. The one thing that some people know about me and some people don't is that my adventures with ayahuasca, um, I wrote about them in a book that was published in 2010 called Fishers of Men, the Gospel of an Ayahuasca Vision Quest. Now, my given name before I received initiation in uh, the bhakti yoga tradition is Adam Ellenboss. And so you can look me up on uh, Amazon and find my book and uh, uh, check it out if you want to read of a, you know the full story of kind of how my life really uh, changed working with ayahuasca especially coming from a christian background and how ayahuasca interacted with my christian faith and even the faith of my family members eventually my dad and my sister my dad a minister would go and try ayahuasca and it, it really changed the whole trajectory of our family's dynamic and and my life of course in particular um so again during these early years of drinking ayahuasca uh, I was starting to study astrology. And so, you know, study the way that I learned to in graduate school, where you read books, you know, and you start playing with charts. Maybe you start downloading some lectures or um, going to an online webinar here or there, or whatever. This was the same path that I took, the same path that a lot of people take. Um, so as a result of that, um, essentially, um, through that experience, through that process, I started uh, getting a lot of downloads during ayahuasca ceremonies that were helping me understand what I was reading and studying. That's the gist of it. And uh, along those lines, I think one of the most profound early experiences that I had in a, in a ceremony um, came when I had to, and this is like pretty personal. So I want to just like kind of, you know, warn everybody, you know, I, I wrote about this publicly in my book. It's uh, something I already explored at length in in my in the memoir that I wrote that was published. So this is you know this might seem like TMI, but for me it's something I've shared openly in talks and when I went on a book tour and so forth for like twelve years. So one of the more painful experiences that I had, uh, opiate addiction was one of them that I, I dealt with opiate addiction and ayahuasca helped me to become clean and sober. But the other thing, one of the other big things that it really um, helped me to revisit and work through was uh, being molested as a young boy. So um, that experience was came up a number of times in ceremonies. And uh, I learned a lot by the way in which ayahuasca helped me work into that experience. So uh, I learned a lot about pain and suffering uh, and the nature of pain and suffering uh, 
as well as trauma, I guess you could say, and my own experiences with such things. Um, so, you know, I would say um, maybe it seemed at in the beginning, it seemed like maybe every third or fourth um, ceremony, it would be like something I was visiting that I would going back into the memory, the memories, I should say, of what had happened when I was little. I was probably four years old when it happened. So, um, so anyway, I kind of talked, I, I sort of labeled this talk on the sanctuary of our pain because um, these experiences really taught me that our pain is, is um, really, really multidimensional. And it taught me the value of going into and opening the experiences of pain that lived in my past. And this ended up having a really profound connection to my study of astrology. So that's what I want to talk about today. So I kind of, you know, I was talking about pain as a sanctuary, pain as a temple. What does that mean? So there's you know, about 10 points that I want to make today and then three ways in which I want to tie it back to astrology and how I really learned a lot and grew a lot as an astrologer. So the first lesson that came up for me or like insight, I guess you could call it, um, it was not my first time that I revisited the memory of that childhood trauma. Um, it was probably, I don't know, three or four times that I had already gone into it. You know, it wasn't the first time. So just for a little context, but we were, you know, so the vision took me back into that space. And it's funny because every time I had gone into that space, I remember thinking, okay, here I am. Everyone says when you drink ayahuasca, you go into the old traumas and you purge them, you know, like you get rid of them, you clear them out of the karma, the karmic data banks or something. You, you release them. They're, they're stored in you somewhere and you like get rid of it, you know? And this experience and but every time, so every time I was going in, I would have that experience. I'd be like, okay, here's the, here was when I was molested as a kid. And now I've got to purge it like, okay, I've got a bar for, it, you know, like, but every time that I would like, you know, move that the experience would come up in this visionary sequence, like a memory, it was as though I'd get so eager to heal it, right, that it would move away, it would disappear again. And I kept feeling like, man, it's like, you know, this, this visionary sequence is like, it seems like it wants to do something or, you know, but it's, you know, it's like it won't let go. It must be really deep in there, I started thinking and saying. And I said this to one of the shamans. I said, I think it's like really deep in there, you know, something like that. And this this, this woman who was there and she was apprenticing. And she said, well, maybe it just wants for you to see it again rather than like heal it or fix it or something like that, you know. And uh, I, it was funny because she actually made this analogy that I'll never forget. She said, you know, sometimes guys in particular, like when they're, when they have a girlfriend and the girlfriend tells them, I've got a problem. I have like something happened that upset me or, you know, something's bothering me or something's on my mind that's, you know, got me down. That oftentimes, you know, as a boyfriend or a man or a husband or whatever, you're going to be like, well, let me fix it. <laughs> you know, what can I do to fix it? Or here's what you should do. Or here's the answer to that problem. And she was like, but you know, ayahuasca is very feminine. And sometimes I think ayahuasca, you know, might want you to just see something, move into it, explore it, open it up. But 
maybe just go in tonight and if it comes up again uh, in ceremony, then uh, just try to let it, you know, speak and say its own thing to try not to impress an agenda on it. And I was like, because I was telling her, like, I think it's really deep stuck in there. Like, it's going to be, you know, it's it's just like not it doesn't want to budge. And I was saying all this kind of stuff. So she gave me that advice. So here comes the memory again in ceremony. And um, I felt the ayahuasca saying something to me. It was as though it just said, see, see, look, just look. Do you see? It kept telling me to like, see, just look. And it was the most amazing thing because I, this is impossible to describe. So it's going to fail in words, but the, in the, the visual memory of the experience, when I just said, okay, okay, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm just going to look, I'm just going to see, what am I supposed to see? And then I looked and almost went into the memory like it was um, like a trance state in the memory or something like that. And the experience opened. That's the only way I can describe it. It was like a flower opening up and inside of the experience was like the whole history. <laughs> it felt like it was the whole history of the universe. I'm not kidding. It felt like Oh, I can't. There was sequences of like going back in time that led so quickly and so beautifully and so seamlessly where it was like I was seeing this person who did this thing to me and then I was seeing what had happened to him and what had happened to the person who had done it to him. And it was like this causal chain of like grief and um you know, abuse and like that. And then it, it like dove into like nature and it, it started showing things devouring each other. And, and then there were things as they devoured and were getting torn apart that the, the, the like remains were being eaten, digested, going into the ground, trees, the earth was blossoming out of this cycle of destruction I can't even describe it. Like I, I, I must sound like a total crackpot, but it, you know, but, but it's true. This is actually what happened. So see, look, look more deeply. And all of a sudden it was, you know, it was just this multifaceted ever opening flower that contained like the, you know, the entire universe. See, look. And I just thought, oh my God, like it didn't. It's hard to explain because there was so much inside of that pain, that memory that was painful, that trauma, I guess, if I want to call it that, that I, I literally said hallelujah. I was sitting in a chair and I literally said hallelujah, put my arms up and fell onto my knees. Like that, that liter and I will tell you this. I grew up in the Christian church where stuff like that I saw it my whole life. Hallelujahs, people, altar calls, people falling on their knees. It felt like I, it had never really happened to me before. Like I had never really had a true fall on my knees, throw my hands up in some like state of rapture or ecstasy, some spiritual state of ecstasy. And it was because what I thought the experience was, wasn't discarded, it wasn't invalid, but it was one small part 
of the nature of experience itself and is like experience was like this nuclear you know it was packed so tightly experience that i can't see i'm like a uh you know you know how you know dogs can hear things we can't hear I don't know, bats and dolphins and all sorts of animals that have crazy sonar equipment or what they can hear things and see things and feel things that, you know, are off the spectrum compared to most of what, what we can feel or see or sense. And in this moment, it was so overwhelming how much was in an experience. See, look, look, really, really look go deep, go deeply into the experience. And again, it was not at all like, see, it wasn't traumatizing. It was the whole universe. Feel good about it. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was nothing invalidating about my pain or the horror of the event, but it was, it just opened it up. Like it was this nuclear bomb of a, of a flower opening with an amazing series of, of images and history and, like ecology and and behavior and and it was so beautiful and so multifaceted and so intelligent and i was so overwhelmed and appreciative because i realized in in this moment that the that my the pain is very real and that i am very real but that the pain it's not mine. It's not. I was so caught in this feeling that this is my pain. This is my story. This is my trauma. This is my memory. And this experience validated that, but also just blew it open. It just blew it open. So it could be more than one thing at the same time. It could be the trauma, but it could be so much more. And I was so freaking thankful for that view and understanding that I literally fell on my knees and said, hallelujah. Not like a big dramatic thing either. I mean, I, I believe at that point I was muttering and there was lots of other people moaning and crawling around like barfing in buckets and stuff. Like nobody, you know, it wasn't like, I'm sure that, you know, in the dark, I probably sounded just like a lunatic and it was not a, even a really pronounced thing, but it was a real thing to me. And I just, I'll never forget this insight. Pain is real. See, I had been reading a ton of new age stuff. I was a, probably a year, two years, somewhere in there into drinking ayahuasca by this point. It was not my first time revisiting this memory. I thought something was stuck, that it couldn't move, that I needed to barf it out, something like that. Um, and I had read a lot of new age literature and a lot of the new age literature was like, you are not your pain. You know, you are a transcendental being. You are beyond pain. Like you have a choice about whether or not to stay attached to pain. And um, this was so far beyond all that kind of horse crap. <laughs> Just being totally honest, like this was so far beyond that. It was, it was not, um, it was not some trope. It was an experience of tremendous multidimensionality and nothing about it invalidated the trauma, but it also it gave me a perspective that made me a more empathetic, compassionate, understanding, curious, awe-filled human being. It, it opened the experience and diversified it somehow in my psyche.
And it still got to be, and it still is to this day, a painful, traumatizing event where I was a victim of someone and all of that. The experience told me pain is real, you are real, but pain the pain that you experienced is not yours. It is a part of this vastness, this story that is the story of all stories. Like you can't, there's no way your mind can circumscribe any kind of experience. What to, you know, painful, what to speak of painful experiences. There is no experience that is yours that you can possess. You have experiences, you relate to experiences, you are a real being and experiences are real things, but they flow and they keep flowing and their, their tide is a mighty one, you know? <clears throat> so I walked away also a lot more careful about what I read in the New Age bookstore. Uh, letting go of pain does not mean negating its reality child it means allowing for and opening its reality so i had thought oh i'm here to let go of pain i'm here to purge it and you know erase it from the data banks and what this told me which i would later learn through the upanishads and the vedic uh wisdom tradition is you know is 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 also it's also said there and that is that karma is anadi anadi means without beginning the spin cycle of cosmic history the, the there's a reason that the the visual that you get in the indian tradition is that of you know universes like mustard seeds pouring out of the uh the sweat like the sweat coming out of the pores of vishnu emanating all throughout endless space and then being sucked back in over and over again uh, a process without beginning or end there's no shoveling your way out of this. <laughs> you know, that's what it said. Like letting go of pain means letting go of thinking that it's yours. Because once you do, then you've also gifted yourself, you know, the burdensome task of feeling responsible for it, for the reality of pain itself. As you're, you're doing that as soon as you try to own it. And this, this letting go of pain doesn't mean negating its reality. Letting go of pain means opening yourself up to the actual nature of pain, which is holy and sacred and painful and terrible, right? There is a reason in the Christian story that God doesn't come down and, you know, give us unicorn cakes. There's a, a, a brutal experience of crucifixion, of betrayal, of, you know, it's a really complicated story. This, this God stuff, this reality stuff, this soul stuff, you know, it, it's holiness is, pain is part of it. And this experience was like, uh, oh, look, you know, letting go of pain doesn't mean purging it from yourself en route to some static state of perfection. It means allowing for the existence of pain and opening yourself to its reality. And I saw an image flash before my eyes of being in that ceremony when I was having these realizations about pain. 
and ayahuasca said, it's like this. And it showed me a picture of a woman. I still to this day think, you know, it was Ashley, it was my wife, but I don't know. But it showed me a woman giving birth. And you know what it reminded me of is um, at this point I had uh, been really into the artwork of Alex Gray, who's like a psychedelic artist. And it was very much like some of the paintings he has of like pregnant women, women giving birth. But it was a picture of a woman delivering and the contractions and, and screams, like the primal scream of and and you know pain and and the the breathing and the midwifing of like ex existence like a like a child coming into being and i just remember ayahuasca like that vision and ayahuasca is like see like this i was like holy cow you know i mean that is a big ask <laughs> you know I mean? like for me i was like you're you're telling me that this is life that life is like this it said ayahuasca like yes experience itself is like this in fact number six god is like this divinity is like this it's all of it wow <clears throat> and then very christian i have a lot of christian imagery in the psyche so it's fitting that i guess it would come up for me in these ceremonies but the phrase it is good like in genesis like every day of creation it is good it is good it is good but this kind of good that ayahuasca was also exposing me to is not some simple binary good it's not like good versus bad it's good as in complete it's good as in whole. It's good as in yes. It's good as in yes, this too. And it was very clear to me that if you want to experience God, divinity, um, if you want to experience this as that, that hallelujah, if you want to be on your metaphorical knees, you know, throughout life, you have to open your heart in the same way that you just opened yourself to seeing more than just one aspect of what had happened when you were little. You have to open yourself up to more and let more flow through. And as more flows through, there is simultaneously more room for opening. This is the most beautiful thing about the heart and the soul is that it is godlike in nature. God is like an ever-expanding origin, a source that is both at the heart of all things and expanding beyond all things simultaneously. And if you want to move into that heart and expand with that heart, you have to open yourself more and more. And as you open yourself, there will always become more room for opening. And the same daring, courageous, heartbreaking, painful yes will be birthing you along the way. The only difference is the more you say yes to it, the easier it gets to say yes. Doesn't mean suffering goes away. <laughs> it means you don't suffer the suffering in the same way. <clears throat> and also this experience, these particular visions and this 
process of seeing these things, especially the the woman in labor, um, it seemed to say, look, um, if you're having a hard time opening, don't worry. Every single experience in reality is designed to help you with it, <laughs> like without exception. <laughs> so if you're going to place your faith in anything, place your faith in that, that you are a heart and soul expanding, that if you go along with it and aid in the expanding with the conscious agency that you have, it greatly helps. But even if you don't, experience itself will be helping you along the way. That is the definition of grace and mercy. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so number nine in my little list, the most basic way to open ourselves, I learned from ayahuasca, is to retain, if you want to open your heart more, and, it, and I remember, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding when I say this is a big ask. This is the this is the definition of carrying a cross to try to open in these ways. It is absolutely understandable to immediately be averse to the whole idea. But the most basic way to open yourself is to retain a spirit of wonder about the nature of any and every experience while also allowing it to be painful or difficult or joyful or whatever else it feels like. But stay open. Stay in a spirit of wonder and curiosity. Stay present. Move through your life with a spirit of wonder, a spirit of curiosity. Try to stay present. Move through your life with a tender-hearted gentleness. Tend to experience. And keep a really good sense of humor. You know, it's all it's all also absurd. <laughs> you <know>? So <laughs> so you can laugh about it too. Um, some of the greatest experiences that I had in ayahuasca ceremonies were so overwhelming that rather than hallelujah and on the knees and all of that holy roller stuff, I just start laughing, you know. Tra let's call it transcendental opening. You know, we don't want to be um, opening up, you know, flying off into some, you know, nebulous, ungrounded, unhealthy states at the next rainbow gathering or whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry, no offense to, I love, I have so many friends who've gone to rainbow gatherings, so please know that I'm just, I'm just, that's my Capricorn sense of humor. Um, but let's call it transcendental opening. Transcendental opening, this opening that we're talking about, it actually includes closing. You might be like, well, what about being closed? This seems to exclude closing, you know? <laughs> well, no, it includes that too. We're talking about transcendental opening, which means allowing for the multidimensionality of experience, whether that's Saturnine or Jupiterian, whether it's contraction or expansion, whether it's closing or opening. That's what we mean by opening. It's hard to put into words. Okay, so these were the insights that I had specifically around a ceremony where this childhood trauma was opened up, like detonated, kind of had a hallelujah come to Jesus moment and then saw a woman giving birth and had all of these insights that I'm sharing with you now, which of course still took, I feel like are still in the process of integrating in a sense. These are things that you don't just go, okay, now I've got it. I'm going to put it on my Instagram page tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, these are things you have to uh, live into and um, 
if you if you got the got the message, hang up the phone kind of situation, ayahuasca is does not suffer fools who come back just trying to collect nice, you know, uh, quippy insights or something. You you got to do the work, and the work means really trying to stay gentle-hearted, curious, present. Um, you know, keep a good sense of humor. Like those are those are practices. There's lots of ways to, you know, meditation for me, of course. Um, but you know, their their practices got to work it. So anyway, this led to this. It, these experiences in particular led to. I summarize them into three astrological takeaways. This all of this dovetailed with. Remember, I'm studying astrology avidly outside of these ceremonies, the, these kinds of experiences. Number one, because the planets are multivalent, because they signify experiences of all kinds, and because a planet can express itself like a jewel being turned in a million different ways, there's so many ways in which Venus can show up. There's so many different dimensions to Mars that because planets are multivalent and because they signify experiences of all kinds, astrology supports the opening of the heart to the, the multiplicity of you know, divinity. That our experience is divine. It's many. The one is spread throughout as the many, and experience is always inviting us to participate in that holiness. And the planets themselves, the language of the planets from ancient times up to modern times, the planets are multivalent and signify something about the nature of experience, both externally and internally. So what does that tell us? It tells us that astrology itself, if you study this language, is pointing us to the kind of relationship that we want to have with experience itself. That that's And that's, that is what we might call a godlike nature awakening within us. Having a language to help us open our experiences, especially pain and suffering, is deeply healing and useful. I mean, it's easy to stay curious about curious experiences, or it's easy to stay curious about, you know, well, how did I get so lucky or fortunate? Or what is, you know, to be curious, it's easier to be curious when you like what's happening, you know? It's a lot harder to stay curious and to open the heart and allow for that um, multivalent divine presence to flow through in pain and trauma and healing and suffering. It's just way harder in my experience anyway. So having a language that helps us open experience itself is a deeply healing and beneficial language to have. And that's how we ought to use it. Astrology properly used, therefore helps us understand what is coming in our external life or our internal life or both while helping us stay curious and appreciative. Experience becomes the altar at which we're worshiping. Our pain becomes a sanctuary. And it is also our pain. It is also our literal trauma. It can be both. We can have, we are spiritual multidimensional beings who can make room for the linear aspects of our everyday lives while also staying open to the uh, psychedelic complexities of divine, you know, of divine archetypes moving around, you know, so it's both. Anyway, um, thank you guys for listening. I hope that you enjoy this series, that you get something good out of it, that it helps you reflect on why you're doing astrology, what kinds of insights and experiences have led to your own study of astrology. I feel like most people have stories 
it's not like, well, I just sat down and studied with books. It's like, well, I was studying with books, but then this crazy, these crazy things started happening to me. What are those things? I would love to hear your stories. You know, I don't pretend that like oh, ayahuasca is the way that, you know, only way that you can learn astrology. I mean, it just happened to be the far out way that I was part of my learning adventure. But I love hearing how people come to many of the same insights through all different diverse, you know, experiences in life. So please feel free to share your uh, insights in the comment section. Please like the video if you did like it. Subscribe to the channel and click on the notification bell for updates. That helps me a lot. If you want the transcript of the talk, it'll be there uh, shortly. Don't forget, my new course comes up. Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic starts June 5th. You can check it out at nightlightastrology.com. All right, that's what I've got for you guys. Hope you're having a great day. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye.